05 and 06 I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home I miss my life, miss my wife For 15 months she was all alone But when I got back I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this and we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Championship Championship Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And from across the pond, as they say, we have Michael Serwell with us here today in London. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Nate. Absolutely. We just had some good conversation beforehand inside of the coaching industry. I'm a coach as well, but uh, talked about a few coaches here in the States uh, that we're both familiar with and one in Steve Hardison that Michael's actually worked with. But I guess that's a little bit beside the point right now. How I like to start our conversation with each episode is championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So what comes to mind to you or what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? Championship leadership. First of all, on the subject of leadership, I think it's very fucking hard to be a great leader. Sometimes people think like, oh, you, you know, you, you have 10 employees that makes you a leader. No, that makes you uh, someone who has 10 employees. Right. <laughs> At best, you are a manager, right? Mm-hmm. To, be, to be a great leader, I don't have children myself, but I think that to be a great leader is just as hard as to be a great, I would imagine, a great parent. And there's certain things I think about when I think about the psychological makeup of a great leader. And those things are things like being firm, being uh, fair, and being friendly, right? So when you look at those three elements, they all start with F, interestingly enough. When you look at all of those three, like, okay, yeah, I can be firm. Yeah, it's easy to be firm if I need to be firm. Okay, like somebody might think like, okay, I, you know, fair, okay. So it's combining the three. It's living from that place of, you know, firm, fair, right? Even when I'm firm, I'm fair and friendly all at the same time, right? I think it's really hard and, and sure enough, before I became a coach, I had jobs, like most people. I used to work in fashion retail. And I had quite a few. I've moved from one company to another. Few, you know, I've been working for a few different companies in those six years, not just one. So I had, I don't know how many bosses I had in that period. Let's say, you know, around 10. Two of them were exceptional, right? I'm still in touch yeah. with them. Great leaders, right? Firm when they had to be. But they were always fair. And they were friendly. Ian and Wesley, two English guys, right? Most of them were just, okay, average leaders, right? And few of them were fucking awful. 
horrible, horrible human beings. And, and because I, you know, from a young age, I'll have a tendency to just be an open book. Those motherfuckers hated my guts because <laughs> I wasn't hiding the fact that I thought they were shit. Right. So I wouldn't right. tell them to their yeah. face, you are shit. Like you should never be fucking managing a, a bunch of animals, let alone human beings, right? But I would just not give them that level of fake respect that they were getting from other people because I'm just not fake, right? Right. And they hated my fucking guts, Nate. <laughs> if you were to interview them and ask them about the people that they've met that they hate the most, Michael Serra would be like one of the fucking names that you would hear, right? And and they were just not, they were just, you know, they, yeah, they were firm, but they were not fair. And when they were friendly, it was fake. And, and yeah. everybody, everybody could tell. It wasn't just like I was the only one who could see that. I was just the only one or one of the very few people who would stand up to them. And on those basis alone, I didn't do anything like to them. It's just on the basis of the fact that I wasn't willing to suck the dicks, so to speak. They were all women, by the way, so they had no actual dicks. But on the basis of me not willing to suck the dicks, they just hated my guts, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were exposing them, right? And Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like, you know, I, I don't know, because I've never been a shit leader. Yeah, you know, I like to think. I don't know if shit leader thinks or knows it's aware that that is shit leader, right? Like, well, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a characteristic of a championship leader as well would would uh, receive maybe the feedback from you a little differently and be like, all right, there's something that I probably need to take a look at inside of myself and who I'm showing up as to improve, right? Versus yeah. being exposed and being like, oh man, that sucks. I hate this guy. How do we get rid of him? <laughs> yeah, no, I would challenge them in one way or another. And sometimes perhaps a bit foolishly because I didn't have uh, parents who could help me out financially, see, financially. but I, you know, I had enough confidence in my, I didn't have the money at the time or financial backing of my parents, but I knew that was good enough that in the worst case scenario, if I was to get fired, I would get another job in retail relatively easily. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. it, it's not like working for NASA, you lose you lose the job and it's like, okay, where do I go from here? It's fucking fashion retail, right? And yeah. also I was like early 20s, mid-20s at the time, you know, I'm still a bit cocky, but I was even cockier back then, you know. So I was like sure. I'm not going to take shit from anyone. Like that's yeah. what, one of the principles I live by. I do not take shit from anyone. You can be the most accomplished, successful, financially speaking, person on the planet. You can be the most beautiful one on the planet. If I think you are lying to me, if, you, if I think you're full of shit, I'm going to call you out. Right? Yeah. I'm going to try to do it in a, in a manner that is, that is sophisticated rather than just being like, horribly blunt you know to say you know even though something's in my head i just want to tell somebody to fuck off but i would then you know after 17 years in this country in jolly england the polishness got a little bit softened up <laughs> yeah. right because back in poland i would be just like you know that's fucking bullshit right there right yeah. but 17 years here and you just get a little bit a little bit more sophisticated with your communication because yeah, sure. you are very sophisticated in the communication yeah yeah I get that. Well, uh, why don't I think this is a good time to maybe get a little bit more into yourself and for the listeners that aren't familiar with who you are and your story, kind of that path. How do you go from being in retail to where you are today as a personal coach? And, um, you know, it's always fun to ask a coach who they are, right? I think Steve Hardison probably might be one of the first questions he would ask, right? Who is Michael Serwa? So yeah, maybe give us a, a little uh, sure. idea into who you are. 
sure, I'll give you the synopsis because I could answer this question over five minutes or two hours. Yeah, but right. The short version would be a very normal, loving childhood. Not a lot of money, but everybody around me had just as little. So I never felt poor growing up. Looking back, we, you know, we were poor. Not to the point where I ever felt hungry as a child. Mm -hmm. I didn't have fucking shoes without holes on, sure. on my feet, right? But I got a lot of love from my parents. And also something that I got from my father, I was talking earlier about how I, how I don't take shit from anyone. I got that from my father because he doesn't take shit from anybody, right? Yeah. And my mother on the other side is extremely, extremely compassionate and empathetic and very much a people person. So I feel like I got the best from my father, which is that toughness, if you will, of character. And I got that softness from my mother, right? And I, I didn't know it at the time. And I certainly didn't do it consciously because I was such a smart kid. I was like, hmm, I'm going to yeah. take this from my father and this from my mother. Like looking back, having the benefit of the hindsight, I see how... My personality has been formed by being influenced by both of, both of my parents in different ways, right? Yep. Anyway, so very normal childhood, went to a normal primary school, went to one of the best high schools in the city I'm from called Wrocław, one of the biggest cities in Poland. Because I was bored out of my ass, no other reason. I had great relationships with teachers. I had great relationships with my colleagues. I was involved in different, like, you know, there's like a school theater i was playing instruments and all of that but i was so fucking bored that i quit at 17 right which you hear stories like that in the us in the uk you know some top entrepreneurs quitting college early or and it's like okay in poland nobody quit school at 17 because the country is so education focused that it was just it was a shock to everyone even my closest friends right Anyway, so between the age of 17 and my parents, very rightly so, I never, even, even at 17, I didn't feel like they were being unreasonable. I thought that they, they were just being fair. I was talking about fairness before, right? Yeah. They basically said, after almost getting fucking heart attacks, they said, okay, since you don't have to go back to education, you're going to have to make your own money, right? We're not going to support you financially anymore, right? The little money that they had, they were not willing to give to me any of that anymore because I didn't study anymore, which is fair enough, right? So... From the age of 17, so what, 22 years now, I've been making my own money. Between the age of 17 and 22, I was trying to make my money in different ways, you know, less and, and more creative ways. And it was a struggle, really, financially. And then at 22, a year after Poland joined European Union, I could come here to this country to work legally. And that's when my career in fashion retail started not because i was passionate about fashion i couldn't give a shit about fashion uh <laughs> or fashion retail right like i printed off i spent the first two weeks even on the squat so in an abandoned place it was i had no money to you know uh, to my name i could barely fucking speak english right just about to you know at the point where i could communicate with people on a very basic level right so basically what i did I printed off 100 CVs. I lied on my CV, like, you know, I said I finished high school and I had some experience, right? So, like, a bunch of lies on my CV, right? And fortunately for me, in this country, as opposed to Poland, and I think in the US is the same, people care more about what you can do than what your education is, right? Yeah. And I knew I was very capable, right? Because on the 27-hour journey from Poland to London, I took a bus because I couldn't afford the plane ticket, right? Not because I, I'm afraid of fucking 
flying yeah. like that, right? There was just not enough money for the flight ticket. Yeah. So 27 hours with my girlfriend at the time, I, dra I dragged this poor girl with me. She didn't want to come to Loma. I was like, listen, you know, you're coming with me. So I basically kidnapped her in a way. <laughs> she's still here. She's happy. She's fine. I would not forget it anymore, but she's, yeah. she's there. Yeah. So, so the two of us, and I knew I had no money. I knew I could barely speak English, but I also knew who I was already more or less in terms of my unusual degree of determination to get what I want in life, right? Mm -hmm. So I had that conviction within myself that one way or another, I will create a great life for myself, right? And at the start, the idea was just to get a job. I didn't care what the job would be as long as it's legal, you know, like I, I, I was prepared to do anything, clean toilets, work any hours. I, I had no problem with anything, right? So I printed off 100 CVs and I took a bus from one part of London to central London. And I was basically going from one place to another, bars, restaurants, shops. And it happened that one of the retail outlets that were looking for someone anyway, I got the job. So how do you go from that to becoming a coach, right? So at 23, so a year after arriving in London, the girlfriend I dragged to London with me, she came home one day and she had this book called The Secret, right? Okay. Yep. It was 2006 and, 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 and 2006 was the fucking year of The Secret. Everybody was yep, reading the right. book, right? It was like the Fifty Shades of Grey, but 10 years. <laughs> yeah, ago. exactly. Like, yeah. like everybody was talking yeah. about it. Everybody was yeah. reading it, right? And I always had interest in psychology. So it wasn't like completely like random for me to like ask about this book and then eventually read this book. But that was the book that actually opened the gates, if you will, yeah. for me, yeah. right? Right. That was the book that got me started. So I was very much into personal development for five years, so between the age of 23 and 28, before... I became a coach. So for five years, I already knew the basic concepts of personal development. I already worked on myself. I was already in a good place within myself. Yeah. The only thing that was missing really was doing something that I loved, right? Because fashion retail, I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't fucking love it, right? Especially when I, when I was working under the leaders, leaders yeah. I was talking yeah. about earlier, right? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I report to those people, they're a bunch of fucking idiots, right? Some of them. So it wasn't so much me sitting there and thinking, what could I do with myself? It was a calling, Nate. It was just something that hit me so fucking hard. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks, right? Yeah. And it, that day, I remember that day like it was yesterday, it was over 10 years ago now. You know, it just, you know, something told me like, you're going to be a coach. You're going to yeah. be a coach. And this is what you're gonna. This is what you're gonna do for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And that feeling has been over ten years. Like I said, that feeling has never left me even for a fucking second. Yeah. Even when I had some shitty clients, I don't work with shitty clients anymore. But I had some at the beginning, right? Even sure. if I, even when I work with the shittiest clients, sometimes people who are flaky, who are full of shit, right? When I had some bad initial consultations with people. There was this one consultation that I, you know, I stood out within 17 minutes. It was 17 minutes, I remember. And I was like, this meeting is over because the woman was so obnoxious, right? But even after traumatic, uh, quote-unquote, traumatic events like this, I, I didn't go like, hmm, maybe I should do something else, right? Because yeah, the right. love for the craft of coaching was always so strong that no matter what was happening, you know, that hasn't been the case in a long time, but like within the first year or two, there were times where I didn't know how I'm going to fucking pay the rent, 
the income was so inconsistent, was slow yeah. at the time. It's still inconsistent, but it's high and inconsistent now. Right, right. And it has yeah. been for many years. And at the beginning, it was low and inconsistent, right? And when I started my coaching practice, I was 5K in debt and credit cards. So I was, my network was minus 5K when I started my coaching practice. But the love, the passion, the desire was there at the highest level. And I'm not a fan of uh, Donald Trump, far from it. But this one thing from one of his books that I used to, I used to read his books be, before he got into politics, right? And there's uh -huh. this one quote in one of his books, which then I later found out were, were all ghostwritten uh, as a side note, you know, so he didn't write those books. But anyway, in one of those books, it, it says, you're going to be thinking anyway, you might as well think big. Right. So I, I remember thinking to myself, since you're going to be coaching anyway, right, because you, you felt that calling, the calling found you, you might as well be the best at it. Right. So it was yeah. it was very clear to me from the start that I want to be I've made a decision to become the number one coach in the UK to begin with. And then I gave myself a few decades. So I gave myself a few years to become the number one coach in the UK, which I've achieved, in my opinion, to the best of my knowledge within four years, right? Going from zero to the kind of turnover, which to the best of my knowledge, and I've been saying that for years, nobody has challenged me on that. So I think I'm right. To the kind of turnover that put me as the, like, the highest paid coach in the country within four years, right? Now, I know that being the highest coach, the highest paid coach in the UK, it's like, not the average, but like, you know, it's nowhere, nowhere near to like the highest paid coaches in the US, right? Like I understand that. And that uh, people like Steve Hardison that we talked about, who I absolutely yeah. love, and he makes more money than I do, and I'm happy for him, right? Yeah. I know that for as long as people like Tony Robbins and Steve Hardison and a few other people in the US coaching, I have no chance to get that spot of the number one coach in the world. But that's my ultimate goal, right? But at the yeah. same time, because I enjoy every day and doing what I do on a daily basis so much, I'm not in a fucking rush. Like I don't have right. sleepless nights because there is someone in the US charging more than I do. I don't care. Like I know I'm gonna get it eventually, but yeah. But that's you know that's a relatively short version of my of my life yeah, story. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, let's kind of segue into then. You know, who are some of the leaders or you know as a coach? Who are some of the coaches that have really impacted you and? Maybe even for those listening that for whatever reason have never taken, I remember the first time that I hired a coach, it was uh, it was a big deal. It was a huge, like the investment now compared to the investments I've made since like peanuts, but at yeah. the time it was a big deal for me. And I've also seen the impact and the importance of having those types of people in my life. So who are maybe some of the people that, are, that stick out, stand out to you that really impacted you? And then more importantly, always is usually more of like, what are some of the characteristics that really uh, stand out to you from these individuals? Sure. So for me, by, by far, and, and we touched on it before we started recording, for me, by far, the most impressive, the most accomplished the most remarkable coach on the planet is Steve Hardison, hands down. Yes, I appreciate that Tony's, Tony Robbins' net worth is half a billion dollars and all of that. But then again, he's built it through events, not through one-to-one -one coaching. As you know, Steve Hardison doesn't do events. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's not his, just right. like I'm not interested in running events. Like I knew I could, I could make 10 times more money than I make right now. If I was to put up events and do all of that, I'm just not interested in that. Like, yeah. I know what I love. I love the intimacy 
of one-to-one -one coaching to the point that I don't even do, again, nothing wrong with that, to the point where I don't even do group coaching. Right. I don't want to talk to two people or three people or five people at the same time. I love the intimacy of one-to-one of -one type coaching, right? So Steve Hardison, even though I coach him my coach, but as I said to you before, I've only met him twice in my life. Like I only had two sessions with him because he's so fucking far away from London, right? Which is the only reason why I only had two sessions with him so far. But you see, the very, the very knowing that he exists and the very knowing who he is and how he is and how he operates. And I told him that, that very knowing makes me a better man, right? Because he's the benchmark, right? And I'm not comparing myself to him. Like I'm a, in terms of what I'm capable of as a coach, yes, he's better than me, but I wouldn't say I'm a baby comparing to him, right? And sure, sure. enough, when we met, I think we could both like, you know, we snipped each other out, right? And we could both tell that, I'm basically like a younger version of him, right? But in terms of where I'm going with this, in terms of his involvement as a human being, right? In terms of the amount of personal development that he has done and the work that he's done on himself, I mean, there's no comparison. I'm like a fucking a, a newborn comparing to him, right? The fact that he's 65 and I'm 39, obviously he has a he had a little bit more time to yeah, like yeah. get his shit together, right? He's just the most beautiful selfless and powerful at the same time person I've ever met in my life, right? So he's my coach. I see him as my coach. I know that if shit was to hit the fan, I'm on the next fucking flight to Phoenix, right? Yeah. He would talk me out. And I told him that as well. It's just that I've built a 10 out of 10 life for myself. I'm not in a, I'm not in the need of coach. I would still see him if he was more local, yeah, but I'm not right. in the need for coaching right now, right? Like, I had my coaches, other coaches, UK-based coaches in my early 30s. I had a business coach, a great guy called Daniel Priestley that I've worked, worked for a while. We're still in touch. I had a life coach called Michelle Zelli, who I actually met on Saturday with a catch-up lunch. So a bit of business coaching, a bit of life coaching. But right now, as it stands, there is no coach in the UK that is senior enough for me to pay the money to be coached by them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that combined with the fact that, like, I really don't know what I'll be talking to this coach about because my life is in such a good place. And it's not in such a good place because I got lucky. It isn't in such a good place because I fucking designed it to be that way. Because I worked yeah. my fucking ass off my whole life to get it to the place where I can, where I can genuinely look at every single area of my life, every single area of my life and say, this is fucking good. So what could you say in the two, to take it back to Steve real quick, what's one thing that really impacted you from the time that you spent with Steve Hardison? So it's interesting because when I first met him, he didn't ask the same question second time around because he, I think, remembered my answer when he asked me that question first time around. A very fair question to ask. You have a client coming for a session, right? I paid him. It was, uh, he charges a little bit more now, I, you know, whatever. I paid him up front, whatever, I'm there. And he's like, okay, like, there's a little bit of a foreplay in the fucking living room, a bit of a chit-chat, right? And then we get to the fucking office, right? In his office, he, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, his beautiful office, and he's like, what can I do for you? <laughs> like, okay, like, <laughs> you, you booked a session with me, like, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm a coach, you're the client, yeah. what can I do yeah. for you? And I, and I said, Steve, uh, I'm, I'm good. I just want to spend some time with you, really. 
I didn't bring any problem for him to try to help me solve, right? right? Right. Because even though my life back then wasn't as good as it is now, it was good enough for me not to have anything to like, I'm struggling with this. Because like I said, I've yeah. been in personal development from the from the age of 23. So, so, it's, so it's, you know, we're looking at uh, 16 years now. And when I say I've been in personal development for, for 16 years, I'm not saying about reading a book here and there, listening to a podcast here and there. Like I've been really balls deep in the field of personal development because I just love it so much, right? And when you combine that with, with, with my work ethic, which is like, okay, I, I like the idea of this. I like this concept. This resonates. Now, what can I do about it? Let me put myself out there. I'll give you an example. The first 26 years of my life, I'm useless with women, right? Straight guy, useless with women, not a good combination, right? I didn't like it. What can I do about it? Okay, let me read some books. Let me watch some videos. Let me go to see some guys talking about dating coaches, talking about it, you know, how to improve in, in that area at life events. I've done a little bit of that. And lots of people do that, but not many people follow through on the advice that they are being given. But what I did, there was, there was a time, I remember it was August of 2010, I was between jobs. So I left retail already. I started, co I, I was, you know, really thinking about coaching, but I haven't had, I think I had one or two clients at the time, right? I had a lot of like free time on my hands, right? So what I did, I threw myself out there and I basically made myself to be able to approach women that I liked on the streets of London, right? And in that one month of August, I approached around, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't count them, but like I'm, I'm estimating that I've, I've approached around 500 women. So starting yeah. from being very fucking awkward to begin with, because that's what happens when you do something for the first time, you know. I wasn't even awkward the first time around. The first time around, I was like, I would follow someone that I liked, like a stalker, and I couldn't build the courage to say anything, right? But then yeah. over time, you know, you, you, you know, most people are like, okay, I suck at it because I knew I sucked at it. I suck at it. This is for other guys, you know, like this is not for me. You know, they're that easier. I'm just going to just wait for someone to fall on my lap, whatever, which is what most people do. They're just like, they choose inaction over, over the pain, right? Right. But I just don't operate like that, right? Yeah. So I came back on the streets, <laughs> you know, the next fucking day. And I started awkwardly talking to people. And sure enough, within a month, I went from sucking at it to being reasonably good at it. And then almost as a reward from the universe, I ended up with a fucking catwalk model girlfriend who I picked up on Regent Street, which anybody who, who knows London would know is like one of the biggest, like, you know, streets in, in, in London. It's like, yeah. a fucking, uh, uh, you know. Times Square in New York or exactly, what? Exactly. Something like yeah. something like that. Exactly. Exactly. I was looking for example. Like, Thank you. I was looking for example like that, right? So he, she was just there minding her own business, walking one way. I saw her. I liked her. I delivered my fucking rehearsed line, the same line I delivered a few hundred times before. And I've been rejected most of the time. And she was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's meet. And long story short, she became my girlfriend, right? And I had this catwalk model girlfriend. And I went from... I suck with women to I'm the fucking dog's bollocks. Yeah. Use the English expression, right? And yeah. again, it's not that she came to me and she fell on my fucking lap, you know, and I was just fucking practicing, 
the law of attraction. I was just sitting there visualizing having this perfect <laughs> right. life. Yeah. I did the fucking work, right? So it's that combination of, of like I said, learning the theory because like, you know, it's good to know what you're doing before you like start to, it's like, I don't know, I never shot a gun, but like, you know, you're going to shoot the gun well, but how about somebody teaches you first how to do it, right? If you want to become a good at shooting. Yeah. So I've done my theory part, but then what I did, which is what makes the difference between me and most people, because it's fucking easy to read the book, how to be good with women, or this is what you got to do, or like how to approach women, this is what you got to do. Everybody can do that. Anybody who can read, right? But obviously the much harder bit is to actually follow through on that knowledge, right? So I did it. It was painful the first few days, especially. But I was just like, I have to get this area of my out of my, uh, of my life under control. I refuse to be that fucking loser who's you know who's only getting late when he gets lucky. I I did I, I wanted to remove the lack out of the equation. And this is just like one story that I've shared with you to illustrate how my mind operates. Yeah. And it's the same mindset that I bring to my coaching because when my client tells me that they can't do something, I'm like, I'm not buying this. Like, this is just a fucking story. Right. Right. Yeah. And they know because I have the experiences like this one, and I would use every opportunity to like share those experiences with them. Like, I will never ask my client to do something I haven't done myself or I wouldn't be willing to do myself. And I think, you know, if, the, if those people are smart enough, and I work with people who are usually smarter than me, they can tell the difference between a phony who is just saying the right things to make a sale. Yeah, and of course. Someone who actually fucking leaves those things that he talks or she talks about, right? Yeah. Like, I know I'm the real deal. Yeah. I made my, I built myself into being a real deal. And the right people, they can smell it, right? Yeah. And the really smart ones, they can smell it from my website, quote unquote, smell it. They can smell it from my website already. Yeah. Right. They, they, right. They, there's, there's lots of bravado. If you read my website, there's lots of bravado there. There's lots of cockiness. But, you know, I spent over 10 years perfecting that website, the copy of that website. I think there's the right amount of uh, the, the right amount of bravado, but there's also humility. And then there's authenticity. There's honesty. And the right people, they just like they read that and they're just like, this is my guy. Yeah. In the yeah. confidential consultation. Yeah. You know, half of the time, if not, if not more than that, those consultations become like fucking formality. Right. They just like they've done the research and, you know, it's the website and the YouTube channel. There's my social media. Like I'm, I'm, I know who I am. I make a point of making sure that I show up from that authentic place. And then, and the right people are not saying everybody. It's not like I want to work with everybody or I have the capacity to work with everybody. The right people just dig that. They, they see themselves in me or they see who they can become relative to who I already became through the work that I've done on myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If there were, you know, as we start to wrap this up, if there's one or two things that you could give to the listeners that if they were to implement, take some action, as you just said, right. It's all about taking action, yeah, not yeah. just sitting there and thinking about it. If they were to take that action today, into their life and help move their life forward today, what, what would be that? Right. So I have, a, I have a standard. That's a very easy one to answer. I have a standard answer to this question. I've been asked this question before, as you can imagine. And mm -hmm. 
I'm not suggesting, yeah, reach out to me, work with me. Yes, maybe, you know, if, if you think I'm your guy and I have the capacity to work with you at the time you reach out to me and you have, you know, you're willing to invest at the level that would be required. Sure, we can talk about it, right? And then we can decide if we're going to dance or not. But the number one advice, you know, if you ask me a question, like get, get a coach. So you yeah, see, yeah. when I recognized that I'm actually uh, pretty shit with women, right? And I like women, you know, which straight guy doesn't like women, right? Right. I like women, you know, I didn't have any action between, between the age of 24 and 26. So, so the girl I came to London with, I left her at 24. And between the age of 24 and 26, I had no action, right? Yeah. And it's not like I was fat and I like, I looked exactly, I'm not saying I'm fucking, you know, Brad Pitt, but like, you know, I looked exactly the same. It's just, there's yeah. no action. Because I, did, right. I didn't understand female psychology. So I didn't know how yeah. to talk, talk yeah. to them, right? And therefore, I was, I was like, hold on. This is, there, there must be a better way, right? So what did I do? I've reached out to, like, I found, I've identified dating coaches. Yeah. And yeah. because at the time, I couldn't afford to work with a dating coach one-to-one, I got what I could from learning from the like stuff that they would put out on YouTube. And, sure. Yeah. You know, I could afford, I couldn't afford one-to-one coaching, but I could afford books. So I read books and stuff like that. Right. So depending what your budget is, you know, if you can't afford to work with a coach one-to-one, which is by far the best solution. And when I say a coach, identify the area that that's easy. Cause you know, think about the area you want to improve at. So if it's about money, find yourself someone who can help you make more money. If it's about dating, find yourself someone who can help you with your dating life, right? If you want to start a business or grow a business, find yourself a fucking business coach of some, whatever it is, there are coaches that people like me, people like you, that people like Steve Hardison, whose day job is to help people become the best version of themselves in whatever area they want to become a better version of themselves, right? right. So there's yeah. no better fucking uh, advice I can give to anyone than to hire a coach. Think yeah. about an athlete. Can you think about an athlete who would be serious about winning trophies, uh, let alone entering or let alone winning Olympics? Can you think about an athlete or Olympic or a sports team that wouldn't have a coach? That would be unheard of. Right, yeah. But yeah. I can't think, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can. I cannot think about a single athlete or sports team without a coach. No, right? no, no. And, yeah, right, exactly. And, and here is an interesting thing. Most people are not aware of that. I think most, most coaches even are not aware of that because I understand why a general public would see personal coaching as a form of therapy, right? Because the optics are not dissimilar, right? You have yeah. typically two people, Right. sitting in front of each other, talking to each other on a regular basis, right? Whether it's weekly or fortnightly, whatever, right? So I don't blame people for comparing the two and, and seeing the two as like, a, you know, two different versions of the same thing, right? Yeah, but right. Actually, what most people are not aware of is that personal coaching, life coaching, whatever the fuck we call it, actually originated from sports coaching, yeah. right? So it's basically applying the methodologies and the techniques and the types of work that sport coaches for decades have been using with athletes to people who are basically like you and I, people who are non-athletes. 
Yeah. Right? Because the yeah. way I, you know, the, 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 I don't have a huge experience with sport coaches. I have some from when I was a kid, whatever. But the way I work with my clients, I don't think it's very dissimilar to the way sport coaches work with athletes. It's mm -hmm. definitely different to the way therapists work with yeah, uh, yeah. the patients. I'm not sitting there going, right, okay, so how does it make you feel? Oh, you, would you like some tissues? No, I'm more of a, <laughs> listen, how about you shut the fuck up, right? Because this is, I'm not, I'm not buying the story. And how about we fucking, together as a team, as partners, create yeah. a better story. And then we're going to ask ourselves, what can you do? You, not me, you're going to be doing the fucking, like you, you're gonna be doing the heavy lifting, right? Right. Uh, you're gonna be the one sweating. I never fucking sweat. Yeah. Like even yeah. in the, even even at the gym these days, I don't sweat that much because I don't push myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't fucking sweat. Like it, 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 it's you, motherfucker, who's gonna sweat, and you're gonna fucking pay me for me to make you sweat. But right. Here is the thing: if you stick around, that quote unquote sweating is gonna get you to the fucking promised land. So yeah. I'll give you an example. One of my, 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 not one of my, my most recent client, um, he wants to be next James Bond, right? That's his fucking goal. He's an actor, yeah. helps, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not a postman, he's a fucking actor. Yeah. And a good right. one too, right? And, and, and I don't know if you know, like, you know, Daniel Craig has uh, checked, like, you know, he, he finished his, his tenure as a James yeah. Bond. Yeah, and in the in, in 2022, they will be they will be looking for and 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 deciding who's going to be the next James Bond. And I work with this actor, who's a wonderful human being, by the way, uh, and I love working with him. And and he's like, this is it. This role is made for me. I've been preparing for this role my whole fucking life. I mean, his mindset is is where it should be. Yeah. So when you combine that, the, the, you know, the fact that he's an actor and a good one too, right? That's important, right? Right. His mindset on top of it his work ethic on top of it. And on, when on top of that, you add the layer of my coaching, I'm not saying that, listen, Nate, I can guarantee you, and I didn't say that to him either, like, listen, all you got to do is to hire me. I'm so fucking shit hot at what I do. If you work with me, you're going to be the next James Bond. Right. But he was smart enough to think, to me, the obvious, to me, that's obvious, I believe I can be the next James Bond, but if on top of my belief, I get the number one coach in the country to be in my corner, I will dramatically increase the likelihood of me reaching my goal. Yeah, right. right? Because Absolutely. I'm going to push him beyond what he was planning to push himself at, or the level he was planning to push himself at, right? Mm -hmm. And between the two of us as a team, I believe we have a much, I'm convinced, that we have a much better chance of him landing that role. Well, let's go. You got to let me know if that comes through. Sure, I will. Yeah, I've actually they, uh, you know, stateside they are on the radio or wh whatever, right? They, uh, I've heard a few people talking about who the next James Bond's going to be. Yeah, so. that's a big question. And they were yeah. like, should it be a woman? And like, I, as I said, I fucking love women, but like, no. Uh, first of all, James. <laughs> James. I don't know about Minnesota, yeah. but like. <laughs> Around here, James is a male name. James is That's male, the first fucking yeah. clue, you know. So how about we stick to the guy? And then in terms of the color of his skin, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. My client happened to be white, white English, you know. But like, uh -huh. is black or white? Like, let's just keep it male. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you know, the, the, the name yeah. Should change that it should be a guy. You got enough uh, 
ridiculousness going on uh, the way yeah, it is. So let's on. just it's keep like, James Bond a male, it's please. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like even the like the women that I know, like when we talked about like my female clients, they're fucking they, you know, they so-called badass bitches, right? It's a technical term, you know. They're not you're like, oh, you know, I'm a housewife. There's nothing wrong with being a housewife, but like the female clients I tend to work with these days, they're just fucking, you know, they they are scary. That's yeah. how they yeah. they just like you know we're talking about leadership uh many of them are leaders and they are powerful leaders right and even talking to them about this idea of james bond being a female they would be like why (laughs) like like even they don't want to see a james bond to be a female because james bond's supposed to be a man yeah absolutely picking up the hottest woman on the planet like this you know in the movie right yeah yeah absolutely 100 well i love it and i agree yes uh yeah, coaching has, I would not be where I am today had it not been for myself uh, seeking out and hiring coaches. So, um, oh, absolutely. I'm a big and, believer. And like I said, the only reason, you know, which is, <laughs> you know, I thought about it. Yeah, it's like, is the only down, the way I see this, is the only downside of like getting to the top of your industry within your country is that I have other coaches coming to me for mentoring, which is very nice. I love to work with other coaches and and always like no more than 20 percent, but around 20 percent of my clients would be like other coaches right but the downside is that i have nowhere to go yeah right. know, so so like you know i can go and speak to coaches but then because i'm doing better than them from the power dynamic perspective it's just there's nobody there's nobody in the uk that could challenge me right i can yeah. challenge everybody any coach so i'll need to go to us and not a big fan of Tony Robbins. I love Steve Hardison. You know, very easy choice for me. Steve Hardison, yeah. is, he's the guy. Yeah. And I don't see how there would ever be anyone I would rather work with than Steve Hardison. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's so, so remarkable. And, and, and for anybody listening, if you are based in, in the US, especially, and it's a little bit easier for you to get to, to Arizona than it is for us here in Europe, at the very least, do yourself a favor and, and go and spend uh, uh, two hours with Steve Hardison. You know, just even if you don't fucking like, you know, I, I can talk as you as you can as you can tell as you know by now. But I didn't go to see Steve Hardison to fucking talk because how, right. how stupid yeah. you have to be to pay the money that he charges, especially to go then to talk. No, I went. To, I just I just fucking just I want him to talk. Yeah, absolutely. It's gold. Yeah, and if you have no idea who Steve Hardison is listening in, um, pick up The Ultimate Coach. It's a book. On, uh, yeah, yeah. Amazon it just came out. Came out uh, story, essentially. Like two recently. months ago. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. just came out. And it's, a, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I read it, and it's beautiful. And, and it's far from being a reflection of the man. You just can't... Con- "Quote unquote," contain that man into words because yeah, that, he's all about that. presence. He's all about being, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Who you see, I consider myself to be a compassionate person, but my compassion is selective, right? So, it, so if I if I like you, I'm gonna be the nicest person you've ever met. But if I don't like you, I can be a fucking asshole. <laughs> I don't think Steve Hardison has that assholeness gene in him. Yeah, right. right. I saw I saw him not just interacting with me, like I was the paying client. So of course he was nice to me. Plus, like I'm easygoing, whatever. But I saw him interacting with all sorts of people, including complete strangers, because when I went to see him, 
Uh, he had a little, especially the first time, he had a little bit of spare time. So we were just like, he was like, hey, would you like to meet some of my other clients? And we fucked off to like somewhere, to some office of his other clients. And, and, and just watching him interacting with strangers, whether it's kids yeah. or, you know, w- women in a bank or fucking just anybody, it's something I've never seen before. And I don't think I will ever see. It's, it's yeah, just yeah. It's pure. It, it, it comes from the heart. But at the same time, and, and that's the remarkable thing about Steve, at the same time, he's not a pushover. It's like no, nobody, nobody fucks with like, nobody yeah, fucks with totally, him. right. Yeah, yeah. so it, there's that combination that, that makes yep. him very remarkable. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, how can we, uh, as we wrap this up, what I know you have the website, you mentioned it, is, and I know I'm sure we can connect with you on all other other channels from that place as well. So what sure. is your website? Very simple, myname.com. Great. And then from there, we'll get that linked up for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. then from there you will see straight away the links to my I'm most active on Facebook, but I also have a LinkedIn profile, Instagram profile, YouTube channel. There is a book yeah. uh, that I wrote um, many years ago. The second edition came out last year, I think. There's a link to that as well. And but yeah, the website will, will, will give anybody who's interested an idea of where I'm coming from yeah. as a man and as a coach. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today, Michael. Thank you so much. It was an incredible conversation. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with her. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. And marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it Championship Leadership Podcast. Hey, Bailey. Championship, championship, championship.